king is coming. I'm going to show you some pictures. I'd like you to identify who they are and uh, to tell me what they have in common. So, who is that? Right? Who is that? And that? That? And that? So what do they have in common? Sorry? Oh, not particularly the order. They're royalty, yes. What they have in common is the potential to be king, or princess, or the queen, rather. They could be in the future. That's a possibility. But there's a remarkable comment that we've been reading over these past days as the wise men came to visit the babe in Bethlehem. When they came, about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? Where is the newborn king? Now, none of these folk are born king. They're born with the potential, the possibility, it might happen. But the remarkable thing about the babe of Bethlehem, they didn't come to worship the newborn prince who might one day become king. They said the one who has been born king. We've been thinking about the kingdom of God over these past weeks. We began by being reminded that the kingdom of God was in fact about Jesus. He said, here, I am bringing to you the kingdom of God. And so what we're thinking about now as we come to the conclusion is we're going back to think about the king, that Jesus Christ is king, born king, but he's awaiting universal recognition. It's interesting, Elizabeth became queen on the death of her father in February 1952, but the coronation was in June 1953. She was queen but there was then the public recognition. And one day, there will be the public recognition of Jesus as king. But that isn't when he becomes king. He is king right now. And so as we've been thinking about the kingdom, what is it about the king? One of the things, of course, when we think about 
king, we perhaps imagine someone who has been living in Buckingham Palace or is there now as our queen. And we have a very different picture of what king is about compared to what we have revealed to us in the scriptures. And so first of all, we need to look at what is the character of the king? What sort of king is it that we're talking about here? What is going to be like in his future reign and in his present reign here and now? So then, the character of the king. First of all, we have to understand, and this is a very great difference between what we see now in our present queen and the king, is that the king in Old Testament times and the king that is coming will have absolute power. It's an interesting verse in Ecclesiastes. It says, For the king can do whatever he wants. His command is backed by great power. No one can resist or question it. Now that's not the case with the present situation. To just show you something here. The queen. She gets her red box, her dispatch box. She knows what the government is doing. She has an audience with the prime minister, or he has an audience with her from time to time. She knows what's happening, but she doesn't actually carry out any particular power. I'm sure she has influence. Those of you who heard her speech on Christmas Day will be thankful for the influence which our Queen has. She'll be very grateful for that. But it really is not much more than influence. And the reality is that, in fact, he exercises great power. The character of the King will be without corruption. In Philippians, Paul writes, Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. There will be a coming day when the king is recognized and before him every knee shall bow. In Ephesians, the message translation of Ephesians 1, God raised him from death and set him on a throne in deep heaven in charge of running the universe, everything from galaxies to governments, no name, no power exempt from his rule. Not just for this time being, but forever. He is in charge of it all and has the final word on everything. This is the king who is coming. This is his character. He will exercise power. So says Paul in Corinthians 15, the end will come when he holds, hands the kingdom over to God, the Father, 
after he has destroyed all dominion, authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. And in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, we see that demonstration of the king's power and authority in that he has destroyed the very last thing that results from the evil and sin in the world, which is death. The ultimate corruption has been destroyed through his resurrection in which those who know him will share. Without corruption, there's a saying that power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. Sadly, we see that demonstrated in dictatorships because the dictator is not the perfect person anyway. And there's a very interesting comment about this King Jesus. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no man's least, least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. And part of the character of this coming king is that he acts a shepherd. And he himself said, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And then the other difference is that the king here will administer justice. Now that's something the queen doesn't do. She hands that over to others. But in Old Testament times, that was very much the king's prerogative. So it says, It took Solomon 13 years to complete the construction of his palace. He built the throne hall, the hall of justice, where he was to judge. And that was a recognized thing about the king, that he administered justice. This will be the character of the coming king. So in Isaiah chapter 9, we have a summing up, as it were, of the character of this coming king. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, the government will be on his shoulders, he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The king who is coming will have absolute authority and power. And also, he will act with justice. So what will it mean then that the king is coming? What will be the characteristics of his future reign? First of all, we need to recognize that one of the things that will occur when the king comes is judgment. Judgment is something which runs through the whole of the Bible. And you know, sometimes, surely, 
when we look around the world, we see so much injustice. And don't you wonder sometimes, won't things ever be put right? And most people would long for things to be put right, for judgment to be made, so that the wrong that has been committed is recognized and is dealt with. And so the purpose of judgment is to deal with evil, to expose it and to deal with it. And the Bible makes it clear that that will happen. Now, lots of people raise questions about why ever did God allow sin to come into the world? Why is the, why is the world like it is? And the Bible doesn't seem to give us very good answers about that, very clear answers. But what the Bible does do from beginning to end shows that God not only recognizes evil, but he is going to deal with it. Judgment will happen. The king will carry out judgment. So Jesus himself said, the Father judges no one, but has entrusted all judgment to the Son. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself, and has given him authority to judge. And so one day there will be a perfect judgment carried out with the purpose of dealing with evil. And so Peter, when he goes out to visit Cornelius, the first of the Gentile believers, he says to him, he has commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that Jesus is the one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. Paul writes, we must all stand before Christ to be judged. Right through the Bible, then finally in Revelation, and I saw a great white throne and one sitting on it. The earth and sky fled from his presence, but found no place to hide. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne, and the books were opened, including the book of life. Anyone whose name was not found recorded in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. Judgment, on the one hand, it's something we don't like, but on the other hand, it's something, isn't it, that all we feel innately is right. We feel that justice is a good thing. It should be right. One day, it will be right. One day, there will be a judge. Judge who deals with evil. But the second wonderful thing about the, the king who is coming, we said he will have absolute power and authority. And he is in fact concerned with restoration. To this remarkable fact that not only will there be judgment to deal with evil, but there will be restoration to remove evil. In the day that is coming, there will be no evil. Now, it's hard for us, perhaps, to, to get our minds around a, a kind of situation 
which is like that. But this is what God says. Peter at Pentecost, repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through the prophets. And as you read through the prophets, they have this mixture of judgment and restoration. Something which you'll see as we look at Isaiah uh, at the beginning of next year in the springtime. And as Isaiah sets out the reality of judgment and the blessing of restoration. This is a picture. You may find it very difficult to actually see what, what was originally painted. If you look closely, you can in fact just about see some of the sort of things. There, for example, it looks like the trunk of a tree. But most of the picture has been obliterated. It's been covered with grime and dirt, soot over the years. But someone took it and restored it. Now obviously they've done a wonderful job there. You're getting very close, no doubt, to what the original painter had in mind. So they've cleaned it. They've enhanced the colours. They've given us an understanding of what the painter had in mind. Now they've tried to do that, but just think of the fact, when the king comes, he is going to restore his creation. Now how better to do the restoration than the original painter? But of course he is not there to do it. But this time the creator will be the one who does the restoration. He will put it back exactly as he intended. The king is coming. There will be absolute purity of judgment and the absolute wonder of restoration. But we've been thinking all the way along as we thought of the kingdom that it has both this future wonderful prospect but also that it has present implications. What does it mean to have the king in his present reign? <laughs> we have a friend, uh, a lady who is... Uh, um, quite strong in her expressing her views. There was a hymn or song that we just expressed, Jesus, we enthrone you. And she took great exception to that. Said, we don't enthrone Jesus, he's king already. Uh, she said, uh, that's not... But of course, what, what the, the one who wrote that was trying to get at was, yes, there was a recognition he is king, but is he my king? 
do we find the king in his present reality? What does that mean to us? And surely one of the things is that it provides comfort because of his presence. We're going into a new year. None of us know what that new year holds. Some of us may already be going into it already with apprehension, concern, matters of health perhaps, employment, family issues, things that concern us already. When we think about a new year, we think, oh my goodness, how is this going to work out? And we need to experience the present reality of the one who is king. Sometimes difficult, perhaps, to envisage, well, we don't see that. But as we read in Isaiah, chapter 11 there, the king is working out his purposes. And as the hymn writer puts it, year by year the king is working out, and the time will come, will surely come, as the waters cover the sea, the king will reign. Now that, as many of the New Testament writers speaking of the future, say that should comfort us. Paul says, comfort one another with these words, the fact that the king is coming. Let it be an encouragement, but a present encouragement too, in knowing that day by day he is going to be with us. Those wonderful words that the Lord Jesus said to his disciples, Be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. The king is present, present with us. I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, says Paul. Neither life, nor death, nor angels, nor demons, neither our fears for today, nor our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in the earth below, indeed nothing in all creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. The King is present with us. But it also presents a challenge. We've been thinking about what does it mean to be citizens of the kingdom? Minded of Jesus' words in Matthew, make my kingdom your priority. And so it presents us to a challenge. To actually see Jesus, king, as king, exercising his authority in our lives, day by day. Do we begin a day by committing that day to the king? Do we commit our plans our ambitions, our hopes for the new year, 
to the king. What is our priority as we go into this new year? Is it the king? It is a fact that Jesus is the king. He is. The public recognition of that is yet to come. But it is coming. When it comes, it will bring absolute just judgment to deal with evil and restoration to remove evil completely. But what does it mean not only just to think about that he's the king, but that he's my king. That this is not just an abstract thing that he's going to be king in the future, but here and now, today and tomorrow, and in the new year that is yet to come in God's will we can truly say, Jesus is my King.